Hi, I'd like to welcome you to our show. I'm your host, Prang Medic. We're talking about life as a child of God and all things related to his kingdom. Thanks for joining us. If you're a new listener to the show, you can find articles and books and other resources on my website, www.prangmedic.com. Now let's jump into this week's show. G'day, mate. How's it going? G'day, Dave. Good to, good to hear your voice, mate. <laughs> it is... Can you hear me fine? I can hear you fine. All the way over there in Brisbane. No, you're in Gold oh, Coast. Yeah, a little bit south from where you were hanging out last time you were here. Is Gold Coast south or is that... Uh, I thought that was north of Brisbane. No, uh, so north of Brisbane is the Sunshine Coast and south oh. of Brisbane is the Gold Coast. So oh, where... then I lied to you. <laughs> yeah. You, oh, you haven't been here? No, because when you asked oh. me if I'd been to the Gold Coast, and I said, yeah, I've been to the Gold Coast. No, we went to the Sunshine Coast uh, when I was uh, there in Brisbane in 2012. You know, hung around Brisbane, saw some of the sights, and then we went up to the surf club up Sunshine Coast. So, no, we were going to go to the Gold Coast, but I ran out of time. I should have stayed there another week. It's beautiful up the Sunshine Coast, though. We were there just uh, two weeks ago, actually. We got friends that have a church up there, and uh yeah it's great up there love the sunshine coast yeah it's nice so do you surf uh, i used to um i used to surf i um actually end up uh probably the latter part of my of my surfing days were more bodyboarding actually i i used yeah. to um prefer the bodyboarding after i i had some friends who were quite the you know they grew up on the sunshine coast right on the water so they were used to the big waves up there, and uh, I, my last surfing trip that I actually was on a surfboard, um, they said, come on, there's just been a storm, let's go out on the big waves, mate. I'm like, okay, let's give it a shot. And I just wasn't um, used to the waves like they were, and they're, ju- you know, they're jumping like four meters from the rocks into the into the choppy surf, and then we're swimming out to the shark nets, and they're like, come on, let's go back. And, and I just got absolutely pummeled by this wave, and it held me under, and I thought, I'm not going to surf again. So maybe it's something I need to pick back up again one day. I don't know. You know, that's interesting because I lived in Washington for about 16 years when my kids were growing up. And we used to go out to the, the coast. A lot of people surf in California, but there's actually good surfing in northern Oregon and a little bit in, in Washington. And we used to go out there. I did a lot of uh, bodyboarding, but we had to have a wetsuit because the water was freezing cold. And, oh, yeah. uh, and we would stay in all day long. And then when my kids got a little bit older, I, um, I taught them how to surf. We got a, uh, and I had never surfed in my life, but I had watched enough surfers that I was able to teach the kids how to get on a, a longboard. They had a good time with it. But, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the, the big wave that came and took you under because uh. I don't write a lot of prophetic words like you do. <laughs> But one of the main prophetic words that I wrote was a word that was actually requested by a friend of mine. And he asked me if I could get some revelation about the the big wave that was coming. People had been having dreams and visions about this tsunami, the big wave coming. And and, and I hadn't had any dreams about that. But I went to the beach and the kids and I went there and it was right during a storm. And Gosh, the waves were huge. Uh, talking six, seven meters. 
Wow. Um, it was crazy. Huge. Yeah. And uh, we got there and we saw a dead seal laying on the beach. Wow. And the beach that we the kids had always known had completely changed, completely shifted. There was a large mound of sand that ran across in front of the beach where we normally would go in. It was raised up about six feet, and the seal was on top of the mound of sand the dead seal was. And the, everything had changed. The whole landscape, the sky, everything. It looked like a different place. And there were these huge waves. And the kids, the kids were small at that time. They were probably nine or ten years old. And they said, Dad... Uh, we're not going in there. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I, I grabbed the board, put my wetsuit on, and I went out there. And I was out for probably 45 minutes trying to catch these waves, and they were just pounding me. Uh, yeah. And, and driving down to the bottom where I couldn't really get up right away. Yep. And I gave up, and, and I wrote a prophetic word off of that experience going out in this huge surf. It was very frightening. So I, I, I don't blame you. But I hope you get a, get back on a board and, and do yeah, some more surfing. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got you got to teach Sophie and Charlotte how to surf. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've got to. You know what? They are just beach babies all the way. I mean, both my kids have Christie's skin, so uh, you know the, the the joke is at the beach. Oh, quick, Nate, you better put on sunscreen. We don't need to. You know, I'm, I'm going to crisp up in a second. Um, like, yeah, thanks a lot, God, for like no melanin in my skin. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, both of my girls love the beach. They're 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 quite experienced with waves and in the water. It's it's really cool seeing them grow, grow up around that. But uh, I really do need to get back out there again. Not let fear hold me back. That was a that was a crazy day out there for sure. When I got, I was like, yep, yeah, forget that. I'm not going to surf <laughs> again. But uh, I'll, I'll surf the wave of the Holy Ghost instead for now. That sounds like my kind of way. Yeah, well, you know, when you're young, it's fun to do that kind of thing, but. When you get a little older and you have kids, and then <laughs> when you start to look at the possibility of spending your time training and equipping the yeah. saints uh, to grow up in, in the Lord, that just has a whole lot more appeal to it <laughs> for some yeah, reason. I mean, you and I are kind of on the same trajectory, I think. Yeah. You have got your like... website going, and you've, you're doing some online classes. And I'm in the process of putting my online classes together. And you're a little bit ahead of me. I think you've actually got it going. I I, I had a, a vision to do it. I had a number of dreams last year to get some online classes going. But I chickened out. I, I figured it was going to be too much work since it's just me. And the hassle of having to record all the videos and do yeah. all the editing yeah. myself. and it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I kind of just put it on the back burner. And then around the New Year's, I was looking over my dreams from last year, and I thought, you know, this is a really good dream. I can't give up on this. Nah, I really, I really want to do these these classes to teach people more. You know, cause I, and what happened was over the last six months, I started getting all these emails and messages from people asking, when are you going to do classes? When are you going to do mentoring? When are you going to do more teaching? And I'm like, leave me alone. I just want to write some more books. <laughs> I mean, because basically you're doing it now in a sense that you're doing your Facebook lives, but imagine somewhere where these videos, you could actually be talking about the specific topics and lead, leading people through uh, the amazing, you know, the knowledge and revelations God's, God's given you. That stuff is just gold, you know? And I've been just to back up, I've been following you way before I did anything. Like I've been, I've been in like one of these guys that's just been following you for years and years and years. I think I think really? we even spoke like, I oh yeah, I wasn't aware of that. Oh, okay, no, no, no. like 
I'm not sure when it was. I mean, I'm talking a good four years, I think, ago. Um, wow. I'm not sure if I'm not sure when you began, but yeah. Well, I, I, got, I was I got on Facebook in 2009, 2010. Uh, well, I I've, I've always loved what you've been about. I, I think the um the, the attraction for me was wow, this is a guy that knows how to present the you know the the complex things of the gospel in a simple way that's relatable. Um, that makes people feel like it's attainable. I think my one of my biggest beefs with with Christianity and it, you know we've we've done a lot of different stuff through different ministries and I'm going God like I want people to be able to go I can do this too, you know it, it just felt that there was a real disconnect in a lot of times between the man of God and and the people wanting to step into the spiritual gifts or whatever it might be it might be um, you know being able to lay hands on the sick or whatever it is and I saw what you were doing I was like wow this guy gets it like this is this is a guy who understands it. Um, the training and equipping is just is and empowering is is the way that we need to be moving in. So, uh, yeah, I really really thank you for that. Well, wow, I had no idea. idea. I, I didn't even know you were uh, following me or anything like that. Oh yeah, I did, I did not know that. Um, yeah, that is interesting. My, my message has always kind of been, you know, anyone can do this. Not not only can anyone walk in the miraculous, not only is everyone able to hear God's voice, but we can all teach other people how to do it. I mean, what did Jesus mean when he said, go and make disciples? So he took a bunch of fishermen, average people who had never been to Bible school or seminary. And then he trained them and said, okay, now go, you need to go and train other people. It's lo- I love it because a lot of the people that I've been pouring into, they're now training and mentoring other people in their sphere of influence. And, that is what it's all about. I I love it. I agree. That. I agree. Actually, we we met one of our uh, one of the ladies who uh, who's done our course, and um, uh, she's a lovely lady called Leonie, who has been with us since the beginning. And um, we we met her actually on the Sunshine Coast about a month ago, and uh, we met her at, at a friend's church service. And I said, "Oh, hey, Leonie, great to meet you." And it was just it was this incredible meeting somebody who'd been there since the beginning, kind of you know uh, supporting us, encouraging us, or whatever, and. And she said, do you guys even know what your courses have done? I said, no, no I have no idea. And, you know, she's a lady in, in, her, um, in her early 80s who's done our courses. Wow. And she's <laughs> majorly impacted by these courses. And now she's, she's basically not running our courses in, in uh, retirement villages and old age, homes, uh, old age homes, but she's taking this same content, these same revelations in there. And she's telling us that there's people in there you know, 70s, 80s, and 90s, just as she's teaching them, just never knew that I was, a, I never knew that I was a loved son or daughter of God before. Like, this is a new revelation to me, and they're sitting there going, I wish I knew this my whole life. And I'm going, oh, you're kidding me. Like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, this is the reality of what, of what we do when we equip, you know, like yourself as well. Like, it, we don't realize the, the ripples and the effects. I'm going, God, you're telling me it's going into a re- into a retirement villages? Like this is crazy, you know. That but is it, great. It's, oh, that just blessed me. Really blessed me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that's funny too because I my passion when I wrote that book on divine healing was really to get it in the hands of nurses and doctors and paramedics and people who work in healthcare. And that didn't happen right away. It was mostly picked up by um, by Christians who did other things and mostly went to church and started to put it to use in the church setting. A few people started taking it out into, you know, healing rooms and ministries like that. 
there weren't a whole lot of people that were doing it in the workplace. But in the last year or two, I have noticed that I'm getting more emails and testimonies from people who work in nursing homes Uh, and who work in the uh intensive care unit or the operating room or the ER. And they're telling me stories of using the things I wrote in the book and praying for their patients and seeing them healed, which is what I wanted from the beginning. But it, it was very slow to see that actually happen. Man, there is nothing better than putting out material for people and seeing them understand it and get it and start doing it. It's so it's incredible. No, I, I totally agree. And in fact, I've I've read I've read some of your your stuff. I am um I think I've been a very slack reader over the last maybe three or four years, and my wife is getting me back into it again. And um, but I actually got your um, uh, How to See in the Spirit book, and I, I I'm not gonna lie, I'm not all the way through it. But I've just been really blown away with how practical and how practical that book is. And I'm going, wow, like this is a way that people can really grab a hold of something that is quite complex, like I said before. And um, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm really just uh, seeing how the trend these days is, is that people are, are rising up with the complex mysteries of the gospel and the things that the world, maybe the church has even made, you know, these topics that are maybe either taboo or, you know, out of bounds or just made it only for the elite and is now saying, hey, this is what we're all meant to operate in. This is what we all have available to us and is presented and, and, uh, and, and you know, handed off to people in a way that they can and grab and, and apply to their lives. And I'm loving it. That's cool. I am glad to hear that the book has, has, <laughs> uh, has blessed you. Uh, yeah. That's obviously that's my goal is to, yeah. you know, I, I wasn't going to write the book, but, you know, I had this dream where I was writing a book on seeing in the spirit and I had not, I had no plans to write that book. And I thought, okay, Lord, if you, if you want me to write it, I will. The, the reason I wrote the book was I had read Michael Van Vleiman's book, uh, How to See in the Spirit. And it was a very good book. And it was, a, you know, I looked at a lot of other books on seeing in the spirit written by different people. The thing that irritated me in all of them was the, all the other writers made it seem as if it was a special gift just for a few people, seers. And I thought, no, it's not. Anyone can do this. I don't have a special gift. I just did some exercises day after day and, and gradually my spiritual eyesight was opened and I started seeing visions. So my, the whole reason why I wrote that book was to help people understand that anyone can see in the spirit. It's not a gift. It is, it's an innate ability that just needs to be developed like anything else. So that's cool. I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, you're, you're enjoying that book. When you get done with that, you'll have to get the one on traveling in the spirit. <laughs> now, now that would be really cool. That would be really cool. I've, I've, I've had that, a few experiences of traveling in the spirit, but I'm, I would love to know more about the, Oh, uh, mate, that book will stretch your brain. Something yeah? serious. Yes. <laughs> You'll oh, you'll like it. It'll be a wait. it'll be a treat for you. There are some pretty okay. crazy experiences in that book, but it's it's very similar to the one on seeing in the spirit. I just kind of, you know, give the biblical basis and then methodically yeah. try to walk people through. Here's some nonsense that we've all been taught about this, and here's the truth, and here's some exercises, and and do the exercises, and and you'll start to oh, do this okay. stuff. You know, have you had some traveling in the spirit uh, experiences? Yeah, look, um, I, I, I have. Um, I didn't know that's what it was at the time. Um, probably the first one that took place for me was that was really obvious. I mean, there's probably been some, some before that have been 
maybe less overt. You know, there's been some dreams I've had where they've been. I'm like, I'm not sure if I was there. Maybe sounds a little like a little like Paul. I'm not really sure if I was in my, you know that kind of thing. Yep. Um, but there was this one particular situation that took place maybe a good oh, when was it? it was 2010 or 2011 and um a, f- a friend of ours she uh, she came into my work and she's just she was crying and she said to me nate um my daughter you know she's just been admitted into uh into the, the psych ward um she's just not in her right mind and we're like come on this is a girl i grew up with you know why would she be talking all this sort of stuff and, and well this is really strange Anyway, um, I said, yeah, look, I'll, I'll pray for her. Anyway, um, I, I was at my work at the time, which happened to be a church. I'm like, you know what, Let's, I'm, I'm going to go pray. So I went into worship, and I'm in worship, and, and uh, suddenly I'm like, I feel like I was transported, my spirit, I wasn't there physically, but I was transported into this room, and I'm looking at her in this bed, and I'm, I can see, I'm looking around the room, I'm seeing the room exactly how it was, and I knew I was looking in that room. And I'm in that room, and the Lord started showing me the things of why there's a spirit a spirit that actually uh, had, had attacked her, and it was because of all her hurts towards the church, and she'd left and everything. I could see it as clear as day. It wasn't like I was in there trying to, you know, trying to... Um, you know, investigate a case. It was like it was clear. And I looked in her eyes and I, I just said her name and I looked and it was a demon looking back at me. And I said, you get out of her in the name of Jesus. And I just spoke to that thing. I spoke to the, the fence and the different things that were going on. I spoke to the situations and that thing shrieked at me and it took off. And she said, the first thing she said when she um, came, she said, I knew Nate was praying for me. I'm like, wow. <laughs> and uh, I went, come on, Jesus. Like that's so cool, and I was sitting there going, "That is trippy. That it, it, that really challenged me. That really challenged my my thinking." But that experience led me to really understand um, our um, you know our power in uh, you know there's no distance in the spirit, and so it changed my prayer life dramatically. Um, in fact, many times where I was praying for my brother. One time I was praying for my brother and I saw him in his lounge room with the light off and uh, in, in a red shirt and he was he was writing suicidal, you know, um, lyrics and different things and I saw a spirit looming over his head and I wrote to him, you know, in a typical brother fashion, oi, snap out of it, you know, like, and I just told him, I said, stop entertaining that thing. And uh, and I just told him and he, he freaked out knowing what I was we- what he was wearing and all that kind of thing. And, um, <laughs> that's That's... That's to me. I have to say that's that's not normal. I'm going, God, what is this? But I think it's it's becoming a lot more normal to my paradigm now than it ever used to be, for sure. Yeah, well, you know, it's not quote normal unquote in in the way most of us think about prayer or doing deliverance or intercession. Yeah. But when I talk to people about what this experience is of traveling in the spirit, and I explain to them, most of the people that I know will say. Oh, you know what? I had an experience like that. Is that what you're talking about? I'm like, yes, that is what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> like, I didn't know this was happening to me as often as it does, but it's probably because I received so many prayer requests. Oh. <laughs> uh, yesterday, I think I spent four hours going through Facebook and my email just just answering prayer requests. Wow. So, you know, I'll sit there and I'll just pray for people. Sometimes... In my mind, I just see, I see this person and they're out there in front of me and I can see them and I'm praying over them. Well, every once in a while, I'll get a message from someone saying, okay, so I'm pretty sure you were praying for me because I think I actually saw you in the room with me. <laughs> and I'm Whoa, like, come okay. on. Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, that was, yeah. 
what time were you and you know what were you wearing and all that stuff <laughs> you're a home eating pizza at the time you know <laughs> yeah and the funny thing is like sometimes i i'm aware in my mind i will see what it is that's going on and other times i'm i'm not like i i was praying for this one uh fellow oh gosh probably 4 or 5 months ago uh it was actually you know, a friend of mine just sent me a text message hey I got a friend who's got a headache. Would you pray for him? His name is, you know, whatever his name was. And I said, sure, I'll pray for him. Didn't give it much thought. I just, you know, commanded the headache to leave in Jesus' name, spirit of pain, get out, that sort of thing. I don't even think I closed my eyes. I was just doing a short prayer for this guy. Well, my friend sends me a text message about 15 minutes later and says, hey, were you praying for my friend just now? And I said, yeah. He said, that's really strange. He sent me a text asking why someone was standing in the room with him praying over him. Wow. <laughs> and I had no I had no perception oh, wow. at all that this was going on. I just thought it's a, just another prayer request. It's kind of funny because I start getting these messages and testimonies back from people. And I, I now I'm I'm coming to an awareness that we do this most of us do this much more often than we realize. You just don't, you don't get yeah, the do. feedback and you don't realize that your spirit can travel. And there's no restrictions, like you said, there's yeah. no distance in the spirit. Sometimes it is for a specific purpose. Like you went there in the spirit mm -hmm. because she had this demon that needed to leave. Yeah. And you could have commanded that thing to leave from where you were, but it was for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit wanted you to go there and confront her. Maybe, yeah, maybe let her. Say it. Did she ever say that, that she saw you? She said that she knew you were praying, but she didn't say that she like felt no, your presence no. or saw you there or anything like that? No, not in that particular inst instance, but I was, I was very clear and aware of it because I had never had an experience like that, and I, was, and I just knew where I, I'd be, I just went somewhere. And uh, in fact, I mean, I, I don't say I don't say this to many people, but like, um, you know, on social media, it's been a great exercise tool to be able to develop words of knowledge when you can't see anybody except their little emoticon, which you know sometimes is a cat or a lion or or you know whatever it might be. So you can't even see the person, and and most of the time, um, I'll actually see them in the spirit, and I go, oh look, um, I just saw, um, you know, four or fifth vertebrae, whatever it is. Is that right? And I'm I'm in the spirit, I'm looking at their back, and I can see it. Um, you know, and they, and I don't say, Hey, I just saw you. I just go, Hey, is that what it is? But many of the times it happens and, um, I go, wow, like God, you just gave me a word of knowledge by showing me, um, you know, in a, in a, I'm not sure if you would classify that as traveling in the spirit, but I like, I'm seeing them for a moment. I'm seeing what is going wrong with their body and then I'm praying over it, you know? And so, uh, it's, it's a great way that God can reveal and show things to you, um, and it's, it's been a great exercise for me to growing in that area. I think in a sense, it probably is traveling in the spirit because what most of us describe as seeing something in a vision. All right. So in your mind, mm. you see this image, you see their spine, you look down and go, well, that looks like, you know, the around the fourth or fifth lumbar area. And you're looking at an image in your mind, right? So yep. many people would just describe that as a vision or an image, but... It's the reality is what if, I mean, what if your spirit actually traveled to where they were and your spirit was standing in a couple of meters away, looking at their back, your mind, yeah. your brain, your mind perceives that in your mind as a vision, but it's very likely that your spirit actually traveled there to see it up close. 
And I think many times that is what happens. Not that it's of great consequence, but it is interesting on social media. Yeah. That, um, like if you have a, a, an 85 year old woman standing in front of you, it's a bit easier to get a word of knowledge for her maybe than somebody on Facebook that you don't know what they look like. That's right. Not easier to get the information, but you have a little more boldness. <laughs> if... That's what it is. It's the boldness. You're like, Oh yeah, I can go, I can go ahead with this. And yeah, that's right. And, and I think, I think the beauty is that God wants us to be stretched in, in that area. Um, but, you know, just talking about the way that we travel in, and like, you know, is that my spirit traveling? Um, I, th- I think it is because I liken it to when I'm worshiping and what God's really developed um, in in the area of worship for me. Like when I'm worshiping, I I literally go into a, into a different realm. I like um I feel like I'm really going into a different realm, or you know, if that sometimes it just feels like oh, this is you ever have those times where you feel like worship is oh, tedious or whatever. Yes. And, well, you feel you like I mean? you may be in the throne through. room of heaven before the throne. You literally feel like you're in heaven. Yeah. Yes. Right. And, I think um, that's very common when people are are in really deep intimate worship. I think yeah, the spirit right. goes into the heavens and is exactly. there with sure. the Lord. I've actually heard my voice echo. Heard my voice echo in the heavens, and and I um, I said to the Lord, "What is that?" And He said, "Your voice is known here." And I went, "Wow!" <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa!" Like awesome. it just made me realize the 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 actual the actual you know spiritual uh i guess activity that is taking place during worship is is so incredible and um uh look i, I won't share the story now but there was a there's this young guy who uh who was in my worship team years ago and he was a he was a seer and and um and not just that he had had many spiritual experiences and he's actually the one who really opened up my eyes to understanding what was taking place in, in worship, what he would see during worship when we're worshiping. And he would see, he would sit, he would go up into the, into, into heaven and he would see me, uh, you know, I would dressed in a certain thing. He goes, I, I always see you when you're worshiping, doing this certain activity up in heaven. I'm like, wow. Like our spirits are continually, you know, um, back and forth between heaven and earth. Like is there's yeah, this yeah. constant interaction and dialogue. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And so in terms of, you know, praying for people, I, I, I have no doubt that we're doing the same thing. I have yep. no doubt. I have a friend and I, I mentioned this on a podcast, uh, oh gosh, a couple of months ago, uh, Kelly Gordley, who has been going into the heavens, doing a lot of traveling in the spirit. And she ended up um, talking to wisdom and she went wow. to wisdom's heights and she was hanging around there and she actually saw me there taking a class and she saw a bunch of our <laughs> friends there in heaven taking a class from the wow. apostle John. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's awesome. It was so good. I was like, okay, that's uh don't even have words for that. But yeah, yeah. It's, it, it it is amazing. I think there's a lot more going on with our yeah. spirit than most of us realize like when we when we get into heaven one day and look back at our life and what our spirit was doing we're going to be scratching our heads going you got to be kidding me i was doing that all the time and didn't even know it exactly oh man so nate i got a question for you sure you and christy went through some emotionally difficult times around 2010 yeah that's right we did Mm. can you tell me uh can you tell me a little bit about that yeah, sure. So um, we we um, had just got back in the April of that year. Uh, we we came back to Brisbane. Uh, you were, you we were, were in the we're, states. 
Yeah, so we're living in the States for over a year and uh, working for a friend of ours, um, he's uh, Nick Vujicic. Uh, he's uh, a preacher, motivational speaker, um, born without arms and legs, and he, he just incredible oh, yeah, friend yeah. of ours. Yeah, I know uh, Nick. I saw some of his films. They were great. What a guy. Yeah, he's incredible. And we've we've kind of known him since we were in our teens and dreamed and all that kind of stuff together, dreamed of stadiums and all that kind of stuff, and we did a lot of it. It was incredible. Um you know, went to used to travel around with him, uh, went on the road with him when we were living over there. But even before that, we did India with him and a few other trips. And uh, but what took place was in two actually it was in two thousand and nine. There was a bit of a, a transition that took place in us while we we're in that season. We thought we were over there to work for him, and that it was really God going to do a lot of stuff in his life. There was some things taking place in his ministry. Uh, he was calling us over there for. And uh, we were there to assist him. But in that, in that process, we were going through a lot of heart surgery ourselves. And um, both of us growing up in the church, um, we didn't realize God was just saying, you know, this was going to be a season of dismantling. And it, it began in 2009, December, we went to Reading to uh, Bethel Church. And we both had the powerful encounter with God. And it just, it just set something off in us where all the way till April, God was just dismantling some deep stuff in us. By the time we came back to Australia, um, I was like, yeah, okay, God, you're going to do some amazing things. I'm going to start preaching. I'm going to start doing this amazing stuff. And, I, yeah, I knew in my spirit. I just knew I wasn't ready and God was was still dismantling us. And I came back. We had uh, no job to come back to. Um, yeah, there was just everything was a complete mess. We had to begin again. And it was like discouragement and disappointment after disappointment for years, to be honest with you. Now, um, you and Christy are both pastor's kids. Yeah. Did, did you grow up with what would you say that your view of the church and God was a bit distorted from how you view things now? Oh, absolutely. And that's not to discredit our parents, but of course. Right. right. Many churches have kind of a a not so good view of God. <laughs> and, yeah, that's and the right. church. So, so that was that I'm guessing that was a time when God was kind of reframing the discussion and tearing yeah. down some of your mindsets and your beliefs and your understanding of how things work, maybe. Absolutely. And we, we, we recognize now that it had been happening for many years before that. I um, I was blessed to uh, to have a, a great mentor, and he was a revivalist and uh, one of Australia's you know spiritual fathers. And he was speaking a lot into my life. And I, I realize now that was where this this kind of dissatisfaction for the norm kind of set in and it's not that he was <laughs> trying to you know influence me that way but he saw what was in me and he was drawing it out drawing it out and he prophesied that our america caesar would be exactly what it was and it, and it did and um uh we we just had this longing for something that we saw and in that experience that in um you know at bethel church in 2009 i went into this encounter that took place the only way I explain it is that um, for two weeks, it was like a revelatory window was open. And whether I was asleep or awake, I was seeing visions. I was I was writing things down constantly. And it was all about the reformation of the church. And it was um, this. I was hearing the sounds of worship that I'd never heard before. I was, it was all these different things that actually really challenged me. It really confronted a lot of things that I thought church was. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was really difficult because I knew God was giving it to me, but I didn't understand. I was like, this is rebellious. This is, you know, this is not, uh, acceptable kind of, uh, thing, <laughs> <This> is, you know, <laughs> this is crazy because in yeah. 2000, in 2008, 
I went through the same thing. I had been in kind of a, an institutional church for, for seven years. And in 2008, the Lord began to speak to me. First time ever prophetically, I started to hear his voice really clearly. And it was all about reformation and change. And I'm doing a new thing. And old models of the church are being torn down. And all of this change and change and reformation. I was like, what are you doing? Am I losing my mind? And now, and now six or seven years later, I mean, we're running into all these people who had around the same time, got the same word, same message. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Cause in, in the time you're like, well, I'm, I'm going against the flow here. And you know what? Really we are, there is still an against the flow feeling, but it's, it's like, there's more in, who've been through that now than, than almost the, the people that, that are that are opposing it. And it's just, it's just, it's just crazy how much God has brought is, is still bringing such a reformation and change to, to the church, but more than that, just to the hearts of people who are like, we, we can't do this old wineskin thing anymore. You know, it's, it's, this has, this is changing and we're, we're going along with it. We're, we're following the voice of the Holy spirit and it. it's, it's so amazing. And it's, uh, it's so much easier working with the flow of people than against, I can tell you. And, uh, yeah, there was hey, some hard hey, years. Hey, Nate, I have another question for you. Sure. What can you tell us about the Fragment Collector? The Fragment Collector? <laughs> yes. Was that, it sounds like a word that I did. It is a prophetic word that you did. I think it was actually the first prophetic word that I read that you wrote about. Okay. It was emotional healing. Okay, and, yeah, wow. And I was like, oh, my gosh. No one ever writes prophetic words about emotional healing. That's what made it jump off the page. Because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of prophetic words that are kind of generic in in their approach to a particular situation. Yeah, yeah. And this word that you wrote, the fragment collector, I grabbed it and I shared it on my Facebook page. I thought it was okay. so good. Do you remember it? I, I kind of do now that you're mentioning it. And I, I mean, I know it's a very personal kind of word, I think. It was like about my own experience, I think. And... um it's actually something I've written a lot more on, um, not with the Fragment Collector title, but just about my own healing and everything like that and uh, how, how God took a big scattered mess of a, of a kid who'd grown up in a broken home and everything. And, uh, you know, there was just a lot of, felt like a lot of fragments to my life that he had to pull together. And I didn't really think he could do it, to be honest. And I, you know what? Look, we, this is something we minister to and we teach on. We have, we have Bondage Breaker course on. But it's strange how it comes in waves, and and I, f- I feel like even where I'm at now, there's still times where God will just bring me into this place where it's like He's like, "Oh, there's another little fragment. I'm pulling that in right now," <laughs> and it's it's I'm like, "Oh, come on, can't it just be done?" You know. But yeah, look, I I can't really remember all of it. What was it talking about? Do you remember? I was using that as a segue to get into a discussion about emotional healing. Actually, I'm not as interested in the word as I am in the process that you went through. So you, you want to know about that? Pro- you want to know about that process? I, I would, because most of my listeners know a little bit about my process of going through emotional healing, and, yeah, well, and it has it has been a process, like it is for most mm, people. Um, yeah. You get a little here and a little there, and then yeah. you become aware that wow, I still have some woundedness that is <laughs> just bugging me. I need to <laughs> yeah, I, I need to get through a little more. So, what was what was your process like? Well. I guess um, for me, it all began with um, I had to I had to forgive my stepfather. I in my teens, I was just a big fragmented mess, to be honest. And um, I came back to the Lord maybe when I was about eighteen, nineteen, and uh, no, yeah, nineteen. 
And uh, we started running a youth group, and I was still a big mess. <laughs> so I don't know what I was doing there. Um, so that, that big... probably turned into an even bigger mess. It was a huge mess. And uh, the beginning of that year, the Lord said to me, he wanted me to forgive my stepdad. And um, um, I will share this because this is probably the crux of where it all began. And um, so I had to forgive my step stepfather for, you know, there was emotional abuse, physical abuse and stuff like that. And um, I hadn't seen him in a long time. And uh, the, the Lord said to me, you know, this year um, there's going to be a family event and I want you to fig- I want you to forgive him there. And if you do, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of like all of that stuff in one night that would normally have taken years. And um, I went, I can't forgive him, you know? Um, well, it came to that event that year and uh, I'm sitting out, out in this back patio with my stepfather. Everybody leaves the table except me and him. I'm like, oh no. And um, we're sitting there. He starts telling me about his father and he's telling me, I'm like, wow, this is horrible. And so I start having compassion for him. And out of nowhere, I just heard it come out of my mouth. I, I forgive you. And he just looked at me all shocked. He wasn't expecting it. And he said, can you, let's go for a walk. He went down to this, uh, it was on a canal, this home. And he said, let's go for, he started explaining to me how they'd been through a lot of uh, emotional healing and and all this kind of stuff. And I could tell he was mellow. He wasn't the person I I knew him growing up. I said, what's going on with this guy? He's so different. He starts leading me through this prayer. And uh, he says to me, um, you know, just ask Holy Spirit to reveal to you when all these feelings of rejection and all this stuff came into your life. And I'm thinking, what kind of rubbish is this? You know, what what is this wow. stuff? It's like, you know, this is stuff to feel, you know. Um, and so I'm like, whatever, okay. So I, I, I said, okay, and I thought to myself, if Holy Spirit does show me anything, and I've never had any, had any visions at any point before in my life uh, up until then, I said, he's going to show me when this guy entered my life when I was six. You know, that's what he's going to do. But instead, um, I instantly went into this vision where I felt like I was there and I was a little boy and I was four years old and it was the scene of my dad leaving when I was four. And I saw everything in HD quality. I could, it was like the sight smells, everything in my home. It was incredible. And I saw my mum on the couch, to, um, you know, where I came into the vision, onto the, on the couch to my right, and she's just screaming into a pillow, you know. And I rush out to the porch, and my dad's got his truck, and he's he's crying, and I'm going, don't leave, don't leave. And he says, I have to, and, and, and he goes. And I remember running back inside and just running down the hall under my bed and just crying and feeling the weight of um, just rejection, feeling like this is all my fault, feeling like lost, all these feelings. I'm like, whoa. And I'm just like getting torn apart, feeling the, what I was feeling as a four-year-old boy. I'm like, I would not wish this upon any four-year-old. That was, it was intense. It was like, wow, my heart was hurting being in this vision. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to be in it. I wanted to snap out of it and just go home, you know. And suddenly I, I felt the presence of somebody next to me as I'm under this bed. And I look up and it's Jesus. And he has his, he has his um, head in his hands and he's crying with me. Instantly I feel the weight of all those feelings just lift off me like a big, like it was just being sucked up out of the sky, out of my heart. And instantly I'm out of that vision, continue praying. And I was, I was completely set free of, the, of, of, of all those feelings. And there was so much emotional healing that took place in that day. But I, I do have to say that there's just been a process in other areas. But the absolute monstrosity and weight of what I went through as, as a boy who, you know, who had a father that left, uh, had a father that was never there, and then a stepfather who 
who never treated him like a son and all that kind of stuff and the and the different things that went with that that I would have to say like most of that just got sucked up in that one moment. And I don't say that to make people go, oh, well, that's great for you, Nate, because, you know, this has taken me years. I want to tell you something. I was, 20, I was 21 or 22 when that experience took place, and I still didn't know my father. I still didn't know Father God, and I spent all these years searching out spiritual figures to be my father and got burnt and got burnt and got hurt and got hurt, looking for somebody that I could look up to and somebody who would approve of me. I was such an approval addict. I was just looking for that person. There were still emotional things that needed to take place. And so when I wrote that fragment, Collect a Word, I was still talking about a present place that I was in that God was collecting these fragments of my life and and, and restoring me. And um, that's just my story, and I feel like, that I don't think that will end. I feel like that the Lord is just, he's restoring us. We're renewed, you know, like it's, it's a daily process just by being with him and connected with him. And that's just something that that's a, that's a reality of emotional healing is that it can be a journey. The closer we get to the Lord and, you know, I don't know. That's just my story with that. Oh gosh. Uh, that was such an amazing story. My, my observations about emotional healing is all right, you have to if you almost think about yourself as like a soldier in a war. Mm-hmm. From the time you crawl out of the baby crib into the world, you are you're essentially sort of a soldier in a war. And you took a serious injury when you were 4 years old. You know, you crawled up on a on a mine and the mine went off mm-hmm. and you got blown up pretty bad. Huh? It didn't kill you. But it did a lot of damage. And then yeah. when you were six years old, you had another incident with you know, your stepfather. And six weeks later, another incident and another incident and another incident. Now you're an adult and you are getting healed of the past traumas. But for most of us, we get on social media and somebody says something rude, insensitive, hurtful, whatever. I mean, I, I go on my, my blog and I see, you know, two or three comments that people left yeah. about what a phony I am. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. And you get more, you get more emotional trauma, right? Or you go, you go out to dinner with your wife and somebody at a restaurant is rude to you or rude to her or whatever. I mean, we all go through life and we develop more emotional trauma, more wounds, more hurt, more rejection, more pain. Well, that doesn't all get healed at one time. That is the, the injuries come sequentially in a process and the healing, the healing comes sequentially. Mm. I, and I tell people every, like, you know, what you should do is every day at the end of the day, when you're getting ready to go to bed, just think back about the day and think back about the hurtful, painful things people have said to you, things that they've done to you. Think about the emotional trauma that you suffered and to give the pain to Jesus before you go to bed. Yeah, that's really, really good. You know, that's that's kind of the same thing that, that God has really shown us. We, we we teach on soul healing and everything like that, and it's been incredible, um, the things that God's done through it. Um, there was this one church service in particular that uh, God was showing me specific things to go after, and people just, it was just like things were flying out of people left, right, and center. <laughs> it was incredible. I'm like, wow, I wish that happened for me that quick. But it, yeah. it really does come down to, like, stop-taking. <laughs> what's going into your soul and what's going out. And the Lord showed me a filing cabinet years ago. And he said to me, you know, I was in a very boring government job at the time. And I was, they put me on um, filing duty this one week when they, they got behind. I'm like, wow, that's, that's, that's fun. 
And um, I remember filing for days and the, and the Lord just said to me, you know, this is what your soul looks like. It's a filing compactus, you know, and uh, and it's like realizing, wow, every single day there are deposits that are being made into our soul. Yep. And I'm like, wow, like I, I can't allow things to fester in there anymore. I can't allow, uh, you know, even if there are things that go in, I need to address it. I need to go, oh, I need to, I need to be free of that thing, you know, and um, um if, if we let things fester in there too long, they can become areas that the enemy can use. They can be strongholds for the enemy. And uh, that's that's something which um, I've, I've definitely experienced in my life. And I can see in my family's, uh, you know, uh, history of our family, that's that's been a big deal where people have um, have um, had a lot of soul issues that have needed to be healing. And uh, so I, I, I definitely agree with you. It's just about addressing it. At the end of the day, saying, hey, Lord, this place here, you know, I give that to you today. That's yours, um, you know. And in fact, you know, the whole the whole kind of placing things, placing wood upon the altar, it's like that. I'm, I'm taking these things. I'm placing it out on the altar for you. Burn it. Go for it. You know, like this is yours. This is this is. I, I give you my soul as well. It's not not just my spirit that I want to give you. I want to give you my soul. And so it's this place of relationship with the Lord that we get to surrender the things in us that are hurting us or the things that have uh, affected us, and uh, it's worship. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about um, soul healing is it's not something that God will do unless you give him permission to do it. Yeah, it is. You have to give up (laughs) your right to be offended. You have to give up your right to be angry. You have to uh, let, you have to give the Lord permission to take it totally. from you. Because as long as you want to hold on to it, He will let you hold on to it. Yep, that's it. Oh wow, it's uh, it's so good. It's so, a big topic. Oh, it's mm. a huge topic. I I wrote a short book on emotional healing, but I'm in the process of writing uh, a longer one, a full length book on emotional healing and deliverance. Mostly just using testimonies that I've gotten from people over the years and looking at specific conditions like bipolar and depression and PTSD and and explaining how each um, condition sort of how it affects your soul and your mind. And, you know, successful processes that people have used, techniques and steps that they've used to get healed of that stuff that I'm looking forward to writing that book. That'll that'll be a lot of fun. Because when I, whenever I sit down to write a book, the Lord gives me a lot more revelation. Like, I will have these testimonies that I know of, and they're kind of scattered. And when I sit down to write a book, the Lord just lines them up and then gives me more revelation about why this happened here and, and how this connected to that and puts all the pieces together. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It's one of the reasons why I like writing is when I'm writing, the Holy Spirit connects the dots for me. It, it definitely shows that your revelation flows. It's just like as soon as you put that that pen down, it it, it, it kind of unrolls and unravels. And me, like... well, I'm a, I'm a prophetic writer. Like you mm. and Jesse Berkey and a lot of my friends are prophetic speakers. As soon as you start to <laughs> to speak, the Holy Spirit comes upon your words and starts to inspire your words. Well, that happens to me sometimes, but it happens much more when I write. Yeah. Um, I, I, I sit down and I get quiet and I just kind of listen, tune into what the Holy Spirit is saying and try to dictate that. Yeah. Um, Christy's actually the same as you. She's is she? very much, yeah, she's a writer. She just, 
it's something that takes place when she's writing. It just flows. Whereas when she when she speaks, she won't have that same kind of. Um, <laughs> you don't, I, have, I, I you don't have the does. same confidence. Yeah. I yeah, I think it, it might be an area that she. It feels like her writing is just carries such prophetic weight that. Um, whereas I'm, my, my words actually come from something that I've spoken. Um, a lot of times I'll get out my voice memo and just start just start recording and just come under that, you know, that prophetic utterance will flow and then I'll listen back later and write a word and that's how it will happen. That's um, cool. You know, and um, everyone's different like that. I think it's incredible. But I can see with yours, I can see the bubbling forth in your words. It's incredible to see that in your words, but it's so evident. Yeah, thanks. So do you have a lot of dreams? Um, incredible. I mean, you know what? Christy has probably <laughs> twice as much streams as me, and uh, there's there's a bit of a joke in the house that you know that uh, I, I'm up in the pocket, and um, you know I'll in, I'll interpret because you know she has more dreams than you than you can than you can poke a stick at. It's it's nightly where every morning our first it feels like our first uh, have a dream our first duty after praying. <laughs> like, okay, pull the dream out. What did you, you know? We're sitting there and we're praying over it, but. It's incredible. Uh, um, we we've both been heavy dreamers our whole lives, and um, um, even Christie's pizza dreams that she used to call have been so highly prophetic that we, we're going, wow, there's something in that. And uh, it's been a real something that gradually developed in us over the years. And um, you know, we've helped interpret dreams for people. Um, you know, probably sixty percent of my words come from a dream. Yep, <laughs> most of my prophetic revelation comes from dreams. Um, yeah. some of it doesn't, some of it I'll, I'll get inspired when I'm awake, but I have yeah. the most confidence writing yeah. prophetically from the things that I see in dreams. That's funny because my wife has more dreams than I do too. Denise mm-hmm. dreams every night and she'll have two or, two or three dreams a night, but she doesn't remember them very well. Uh, I will remember most of my dreams and write them down. She has a lot of dreams, but doesn't remember them as well, but uh, I, I give her a pass on that because she's taking uh, Lunesta, which kind of knocks her out. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Hard so she finds it hard to remember. Yeah. 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 But when she does remember a dream, they're usually pretty good. So my question about the dreams is, do you know of anything that people can do who want to have more dreams? I, I, I have friends who ask me some, from time to time, you know, I don't have any dreams. Is there anything that I can do to increase or to start having dreams? Is there anything that you've run across? You know what? It, it, it's something that has happened. Um, I, I didn't expect it. It was probably about April last year. Um, it seemed to be quite a theme um, for a few months there where the Lord was speaking to me about dreams. And he said to me, um, I want you to stir up a hunger in my people to dream, you know. Um, and Pro- I went, okay, are you Lord, provoking? So are you provoking them to jealousy? It was kind of like that, but not like I was just like because um, <laughs> you know what? Actually, at the time, I wasn't really having that many dreams myself. It was more of saying something out of obedience. It was more like, okay, God, like I'd like to have more dreams, you know. And then I, you know, I, I quickly went back on that. Said, don't give me any more dreams. I want to sleep at night, you know. Um, <laughs> There is um, but, there is nothing better than waking up at two <laughs> o'clock in the morning from a dream and not oh, being able to go back to sleep. Oh my god! Exactly, exactly. Oh, it's like, going to be a oh, long day and a lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and not just that, but you're constantly thinking about a dream. Like, what does that mean? What does that oh, mean? Um, you know, yeah. You, you well, feel like... when you when you have a really profound dream in the middle of the night, the only reason I can't get back to sleep is I start processing and I'm thinking, exactly. interpreting. What does this mean? I saw Donald mean? Trump. Okay, I saw this. What what's happening? 
what what are we talking about here? And I can't go back to sleep. My mind is just racing. Exactly right. And uh, actually, I'll, I'll give you a really cool story. It actually involves waves. So yeah, incorporates your first thing. But um, yeah, so in that same uh, maybe month and a half period where I was I was praying for dreams to people, so many people started dreaming. Um, I said to them simply, just simply ask, simply ask for dreams. You know, I I kind of see it that you know Joel two says in the last days I put my spirit on all flesh and it says that we're going to dream, right? And that's for everybody. So I'm like, well, if that's available, why don't we just ask and and for it to take place? And and I just said, you know, simply ask for the dreams. Um, you know, Lord, if there's any areas that have blocked us to be any anything that stopped us from being able to dream, are there are any is there any fear there? We had nightmare, nightmares in the past that have stopped us from from dreaming or whatever else. We just um, block that right now. We just uh, and we thank you, Lord, that the and that you know the dreams are a normal part of you communicating to us, and so we take back that area. In fact, you know, I, I shared that this only what. Um, Last night, I released this about dreams and, and God claiming back the night seasons again. So this is very relevant again for this season, I believe. Um, this is a real season where there's a lot of strategies and, and blueprints from heaven that are being released to people. There's, I had, an, um, I had a, a very specific dream last week, which was I was in the second heavens. And that's a whole other story because that was the freakiest dream of my life. But um, yeah, so I had people last year after I prayed for them. Um, Five people all, all within the space of a week wrote to me and said, hey, Nate, I had this dream of you and I standing in front of a huge wave and you're telling me to jump in. I had five people tell me <laughs> around about the same thing like, what? You know, what, what's going on? And my, my, I have a friend called Darren Kenning and it was only two months earlier where I met him in a dream. I never met him before. Um, he came to my house, he knocked on the door, said his name, and we went for a walk. He gave me the keys to his car, and then he left, talking about revival and everything like that. And that next morning, I looked him up on Facebook, almost fell off my chair. He existed. This name existed, and he's a Canadian revivalist guy. I'm like, okay, I'm going to reach out to this guy and tell him. And instead of getting, whoa, that's crazy, right? yeah, that's all right, cool, man, thanks for telling me. <laughs> Uh, like, like, come on, don't you get this? Like, yeah, he goes, you're probably like the 20th per- person this week, you know, who has that. He, and he said, and then he said this thing over me. He mm. goes, the same thing will start happening for you. I'm like, oh. oh. And in that so moment. he imparted that anointing to you. That's great. that anointing to me. And it was only a month later I was like, felt stirred to start praying this over people. And people started dreaming. Yeah. And people started having these dreams of me and this wave. I'm like, what is in this? And a year, and you know, like uh, nine months later, I'm still very, I, I still don't understand the ins and outs of why God would do that. But I do know something is that there was things birthed and things imparted and things created in the spirit. And there was people that connected to God in those seasons again that previously uh, were robbed of their night seasons. And I believe that I believe dreams should be a powerful time, especially for intercessors and prophetic people. You know, who who are, who are so highly revelatory. We need to be connected in the night. And the enemy has really come against that place. He's really tried to poison that place for a lot of people in fear because he knows if he can stop that area, if he can stop conception in the night seasons, then he's going to stop the revelation that's, that's meant to flow and the blueprints and, and the strategies and the things from heaven he's wanting to release, the new things he's wanting to release from our, from heaven to earth. You know, So, um, yeah, dreams are important, and um, I think we need to know more about that. Um, I feel like that's an area that we're developing in in, in the kingdom, and uh, we have some great people um, like yourself that are really going well. This is important. Let's let's do this. You know, so. it is important. Um, I was reading a word from uh, <laughs> Lena Vosser last night uh, about dreams. 
this is this is a season I think 2017 is a year when it is going to be critical very important for people to pay attention to their dreams and mm. one one of the things that I tell people is commit your ways to the Lord okay yeah. and commit your nights to the Lord absolutely uh, he will give you the desires of your heart if you will commit yourself to being faithful with the revelation that the Lord gives you in the night season, when he gives you night visions and dreams, if you'll be faithful to write them down and pray into them and ask for understanding about what they mean and how to walk them out. As you are faithful, parable of the talents, he will give you more. And if you take the first few dreams that you have and write them down and obey him and, and try to pray into them, you'll get more dreams. Obe- be obedient with those dreams and you'll get more. You just keep getting more. The more obedient you are, the the more comes from the obedience. And the other thing that I've noticed is, and I, I forget I should tell people this, Bill Johnson made a really good observation. He said, if you want to kill giants, hang around giant killers. Mm. Okay, that's David and his mighty men. David and his mighty men killed giants. Well, David's men started killing giants because they saw David do it and they thought they could do it. So they became mighty men of renown, right? Because they were inspired by somebody who was actually doing it. What I have found is if you get around people who are healing, doing a lot of physical healing. Yes, you're on a, this is it. You will start mm. to have faith for healing and and I this is what happened to me. I started hanging around a very prophetic group of people. And the more my wife and I hung around prophetic people, the more my wife would prophesy. My wife doesn't prophesy much. But when she gets around prophetic people, she gets a lot of boldness and faith for prophecy. And what I would tell people is, if you are looking for a little higher level of prophecy or healing or dreams, hang around people who are doing it. Um, mm. I, I have a, a community of friends who are big dreamers. Dreams, they do dream interpretations, dream workshops. Whenever somebody gets into that community that doesn't normally have a lot of dreams, they get around people who are talking about dreams and they're having the dreams. They start dreaming when they get around those people. It's like yes. the anointing or whatever it is that's on them, it gets on you. And then you start so doing it. So that's a little bit like what you're talking about when you pray over people. And when you prophesy over people, you're imparting something to them. Yeah, I feel like it's it's really heavy on this podcast too. I feel like we're meant to even release that um, maybe after we've finished talking about this. Um, um, I, I felt Matthew Matthew. Um, you can do seven. it right now if you want. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, it's interesting. I had Matthew. I had the book of Matthew open because um, I don't know why. I don't know why it's Matthew. But uh, Matthew seven seven, which says, "Ask will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open." Uh, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds them, so the one who knocks the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? Or if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts And I feel like, you know, the two keys is ask, and then, like you said, hang around people who got it. It's it's impartation. There's just something that, that needs to be more caught than taught. And um I feel like that the Lord wants to lead people into to greater um, levels of dreaming. Um, it's not just communication. It's, uh, it's, it's something as well as where God imparts strategy. He imparts um, destiny to people. He shows them the path they need to walk in. 
And so I, I just want to release right now, it's in part, just to people, to the listeners right now, um, if you've been in a place where you have struggled to dream, where you've been saying, God, I, I need, I want to dream, I want to hear you, I want to, I want to connect with you in my night seasons, I want, I want them to be yours. Well, um, even to people who've had, um, I feel like there's even a lot of people who've had nightmares, people who have been um, tormented in their night seasons. We just take authority right now of every tormenting spirit. My wife had a tormenting spirit in her nights, and we took authority and that thing left. Or we just take authority over those tormenting spirits that come against people in their night seasons, that rob them of their night seasons. All right, now cancel those assignments in the name of Jesus. And we just right now bless people. What is What God blesses cannot be cursed, and we bless bless people's dreams. We bless their night seasons. We bless them in the name of Jesus. And we just right now, Lord, impart, Lord God, that, that hunger, Lord God, we impart just the ability to dream and to remember and to recall everything that you show us in the night seasons. There'll be powerful times of encounter and Lord, and powerful times of understanding the destiny you've placed upon our lives in Jesus' mighty name. And I just see people coming out, um, even just people who are um, hearing this, they're going to start to dream. They're going to start to hear specific things. I feel like there's keys. I saw keys in the spirit being released because there's new doors that the people are going to step into. I see those blueprints and strategies rolled out and people are going to start to um, to pick up on the scent of heaven where God is leading them and people are going to rise up. I even feel like the Lord's saying that people who've been in a dormant place in their calling, they've been going, God, I feel dead in it. I don't know what you have next for me. I used to operate in this certain way. I feel like God's, uh, God's going to hit those things. He's unlocking them in the area of dreams. That God's going to start to to show you which way you need to go. He's going to start to reveal to you the path. And and so I just thank you, Lord, for the understanding as well. Holy Spirit, you'll give us understanding. You know, that is it is the glory of kings to conceal a matter, glory of kings to be able to uh, unearth and to be able to discover. I feel like that God's releasing right now just the ability and the anointing to be able to see the mysteries of the kingdom is going to be revealed in this hour. And so sons and daughters are going to pick those things up and going to step into their calling. And they're going to just... Um, they're going to stand against darkness. I feel like these strategies are for specific things that God's, they're like destiny keys and people are going to step up into the new thing that God's doing them in this hour in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen. That was a pretty good word right there. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I'll take that for myself. You should take that for yourself. I am going to guess that you believe that anyone can hear God's voice. Absolutely. So why do so many people say that, well, I can't really hear God's voice. I, I need you to tell me what God is saying for me because I can't hear him myself. <laughs> why Why do you think people struggle with hearing God's voice? Because of the because we've been taught, we've been taught a certain way. It's like we're living in the old in the Old Testament that a priest is the one that hears for you. The priest is the one that goes into the tent for you. Got to got to go talk to the man of God, and he'll hear God yeah. for me. You know, if, if I need to make a big decision, my pastor needs to approve it. If I need to do anything, then I need to make sure that my connect leader knows about it. Um, all that stuff, um, it it's for the purpose of accountability, but it, it, there's, there's control in it. And uh, aside from that as well, it just teaches people that God's off limits only for the only for the almighty elite. And uh, what it does is it disempowers people. It's this, it's actually a mindset that says, I'm not worthy enough for God to speak to me. I'm not good enough for God to speak to me, so he won't. And so we actually we actually separate ourselves from the voice of God, and we wonder why we don't hear him. And there needs to be some area there where we where we where um, it's addressed, where we realize, hang on, all of us can hear. I mean, like you, 90% of my inbox is people saying, pray for me or 
can you ask God for a word from me? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's times in my life where I actually say to a friend, hey, I'm just praying about something. Let me know if you hear it. I'm not trying to condemn anyone for that, okay? Because this is something that the body of Christ is in a transition in. But I feel it's a powerful one. And I feel like it's probably one of the primary areas of our ministry is that we want to empower people to hear God for themselves. We have a whole workshop called Resound based on it. We're showing people the many different ways you can hear God through, you know, we, we share about our kookaburra story, these birds laughing on a fence, or, you know, there's different things, ways that God can speak to you. There's been a disempowering in the church with this area, and I believe that God's just been uh, showing us. He's He's bringing back um, this understanding that, hang on, my voice isn't for just a few, it's for all, you know. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so. I mean, come on. You know, Jesus said that through him— we have a relationship with the Father. Yeah. Now, think about this. If you are the bride of Jesus, would you go to somebody else and say, hey, can you go talk to my husband for me? Can you go ask my husband if he has anything he wants to say to me? Why wouldn't Jesus talk to us in person about our own lives? Yeah. Why, why would he want us to go to somebody else and get the information? To me, that just doesn't make any sense. Exactly right, and it, it shouldn't be like that. I mean, that's how that's how it was back in uh, you know the Dark Ages or, or wherever, where the Bibles were only given to the priests and um, people weren't able to access it. And it, it shouldn't be that way. We we all have the same. Jesus didn't die on the cross so so that you know five people could could then go, okay, this is the way of the Lord. You need to walk in this way and do exactly what I say. Um, that's not what Jesus came to bring. He came. He came to uh, to end, um, you know, this this old covenant way that you know it was a building that was where the, the ark used to dwell, and to and it was transitioned to that we became the temple, you know, we became this place, and so we have no middleman anymore. And um, I feel like that, even though people know that in theory, uh, we still have this mentality that hang on, if I want to hear from God, I need to go to a prophet because I'm not a prophet. Well, actually. Prophets aren't the only ones that hear from God. You can because you have a relationship. <laughs> like, you know. Nate, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to love this podcast if for no other reason than when someone comes to me and says, can you give me a word from the Lord? I'm going to come to, I'm going to send them a link to this podcast and say, you know what? <laughs> here's, here's what the Lord wants you to, to know. Listen to this. You know why it's so funny? Because my my friend Darren, he said to me, I mean, this is, this is, this is funny, but it's also at the same time, it's like, well, uh, you know, he, he's been in meetings where he'd have so many people come to him for a prophetic word. And um, he said, to, he said one day, he said to me, um, well, I feel like just handing him a Bible saying, there you go, there's your prophetic word. But um, it sounds harsh, but it's, it's the reality of it is that we need to empower and you don't want to condemn people, but you need to also confront the lie. Hang on a second. You're writing to me needing a prophetic word. I totally get it. I totally get it. But did you know? You know what I mean? It's just a, but did you know? Well, and, and that's that's so, the thing. And this is, oh gosh, boundaries. I don't know if I want to go into my next question or if I want to talk about boundaries, <laughs> which is the fact that you and I are both, we're people pleasers. We're, we are, we're reformed people pleasers looking, yeah, for, looking for acceptance, looking for affirmation, <laughs> right? So you don't want to tell well, somebody no. Yeah. On, the other, on the other hand, the, the Holy Spirit and actually Denise, who sometimes is the Holy Spirit for me. Totally, totally, yep. In the you same know, boat. She, she reminds me, look, 
your job is not to give people prophetic words. Your job is to teach them how to hear God for themselves. Your job is to not get 200 people healed every day. Your job is to teach people how to heal. You are a teacher. Do not let these people (laughs) make you do all the work for them. You have to teach them. You know that. I mean, you're the same way. You know that we have a calling to train and equip people. That's it. And it's actually a disservice to people. If you if, if you assume the role of God for people, you, you're not ever, it's defeating the purpose of equipping them because equipping is them. It's it's going from the whole, well, I'm going to fish for, you know, right. give somebody a, give, giving somebody a fishing pole and saying, okay, oh, I'm sorry, you know, fishing for somebody or teaching them to fish. It's like, well, if I keep fishing for you, you're never going to know how powerful you are. I had that prophetic word on Facebook, that thread for a long time, where people could just go on there and get a prophetic word. And it it went on for, gosh, probably a year, year and a half. Uh, people would come on there every day asking for a new prophetic word. And I started to wonder, like, okay, so you got a prophetic word today, and you had one yesterday, and one the day before that. What are you doing with these prophetic words? Are you actually walking them out? Are you obeying them? Are you learning to hear God for yourself? Or are you just coming here because someone will hand you a fish today and you come here again and someone will hand you a fish tomorrow? The people who were coming on giving prophetic words were getting trained to hear the Lord's voice and to give a prophetic word. But the people who were receiving just received and and many of them were never giving back and never learning how to hear the Lord's voice. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Nate, I am going to sign you up for a part two interview because I have, I have more things I want to talk about. And I know you have to go and I have to go. I got things to do tonight. You can be found at everydayrevivalist.com. Is that Correct. Your, yep. I will put in a link right. in the podcast notes so people can find you. You have classes. You actually have a free workshop that you give to people who are looking for that. Is that correct? Yeah. So we, we have five workshops in total. There's um, there's four that are a three-week long intensive on hearing God, identity, soul, uh, emotional healing, all this stuff we're talking about today. Um, but our most recent one is Bridge Breaker, and it's completely free. We felt the Lord say to release this one, and it came out of my wife's um, battle with depression and anxiety uh, a good four years ago. And when she was free of that, we were like, you know, we, we need to do something about this. So finally, four years later, we wrote this workshop and a thousand people have logged into it so far. And we've had the most amazing testimonies. We've had alcohol, drug addiction healed. We've had people, um, yeah, I, I can't even, I, I bore my eyes out when I read these testimonies because they, they stream through every day. And so um, that's all available. Uh, if you go to everydayrevivalist.com, you'll find the link to that free course there. If people need to want to contact you, they can contact you on Facebook. Uh, and it's Nate Johnston with a T. Yes. So there you go, folks. That is the long-awaited interview with Nate and Praying Medic. Nate, I want to thank you so much for giving me your time tonight. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. It's been it's been a long, overweighted conversation, and uh, I can't wait for part two. Yes, let's do part two again soon. Sounds right. great. I'm going to let you go, man. See you later. Have a great day. Okay. Bye. Well, folks, that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for dropping by. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't been to my website, you might drop by and check out the articles I have there. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can contact me at admin at prayingmedic.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at prayingmedic.com. You can also contact me on Facebook and Twitter. 
I'd like to thank you again for dropping by. I hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs>